Hey, everybody, this is Mike Oppenheim, and you are listening to Coffin Talk, Interviews with the Living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. This week, we have Lenita Mitchell Blackwell. She's an intuitive business coach who leads her clients to live life on fire for the ultimate successful life with peace, joy, and fulfillment. She's built an award-winning law firm and a publishing house. She's the number one best-selling author, a CPA, an ordained New Thought minister, and she's also been recognized nationally as an outstanding community leader. Based on her latest book, Lenita loves sharing the formula to the ultimate successful life with peace, joy, and fulfillment. Lenita, how's it going? It's great, Mike. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, and thank you for rescheduling, I think, twice because of weird emergencies. <laughs> Um, hey, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, I figured. Um, uh, I have so many questions to ask you, but we'll start with our standard three, which is um, how old are you? Where did you grow up? And what generation, if any, do you consider yourself a member of? Absolutely. So I am 47 years young. I am from beautiful Miami, Florida, and I am technically considered a Generation X, but I am young at heart. So I will always be timeless, original and in season. How about that? I love that. And uh, my wife is from Miami, so she unfortunately can't be here today to listen, but she listens to all of them. She's our producer, so uh, she'll love that. And uh, yeah, I'm 42, so I'm with you on the uh, 40s action and not really caring about which generation I'm in. It says you've built an award-winning law firm and publishing house. Uh, When did you start that part of your career? So after I went back to law school, And I worked as a recruiter for a little over a year. I started my firm. And so I have been in business almost 17 years now. And I started meeting other people who were going through some of the same things I did as a younger woman, trying to do well at work, but not really having a mentor or anyone to guide me through because that was really before like coaching became a thing. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote my first book, Leading Through Living, A Guide for Women Seeking Growth Through Leadership. And I talked about how I acquired many of the skills that I still use in my businesses today by volunteering in nonprofit organizations. And so I learned networking and building organizations and corporations and and all these wonderful skills, um, and I put them in my book, and it was really small. It was like 47 pages. So people read it, loved it, and invited me to come speak. And then after I would speak, they would say, can you help me? And then I would help, but then it turned into, can you do it for me? <laughs> and so that's how the publishing house came to be. That's that's really cool. But, yeah, it was, it was and is an incredible opportunity and an honor when people trust you with their gifts. And, you know, a book is like your baby. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't want to release it, not really, but you know the world has to have it. And to have had the number of people who trusted me to bring their their baby to to the world and to release it safely and securely, and and nine of them became bestsellers, it was, it was, something that touches my heart to this day. I, I just love that. That's so great. And I can hear it in your voice. I can hear the enthusiasm and I love it. Cause I think the older I get uh, one, the less selfish I become just naturally, but two, the more I see how helping other people is actually 
you know, quote unquote selfish because it really does. It makes you feel good and it makes them feel good. And it just seems to be the winning formula. Um, which state did you get your, uh, like pass the bar in? Are you in Florida still or? So I got my CPA license in Florida cause that's where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Georgia when I, um, graduated from undergrad. And I, so I'm admitted to the bar in Georgia. And then my husband, who's a minister, he asked to pastors a church in Alabama. We go back and forth on the weekends. And so I'm also admitted in Alabama as well. Oh, wow. That's really cool. My aunt lives in Alabama. My mom's from Tampa, so they grew up there together. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I don't know if you ever heard Dothan, Alabama. Absolutely, yes. We have some of our church conferences in Dothan. Oh, so, cool. Yes. <laughs> I have been there twice. and I had a, I, I was I was and continue to be very impressed by the landscapes of Alabama. Like, it's just a very underrated uh beautiful place in our country i think i totally agree and it's actually called alabama the beautiful and i understand (laughs) yeah cool (laughs) so kind of circling back to what you were talking about earlier um you know it's now the year 2023 but you were starting these services 17 years ago um i've seen a dramatic change in how women are treated in like monoculture meaning like on the news and the media and all of that and then I've seen some differences I can notice as a man, like growing up in this world. But I'm curious, like how much of progressive changes have you seen? Like, do you think, like, let's say it's a women were, you know, at zero and a hundred is the goal. Like, where would you say, in your opinion, you you guys are at now? Does that make sense? It absolutely does. And so the first part of your question, do I see changes? Absolutely. And they have been uh gigantic. I'm talking about huge leaps for humankind and womankind specifically. And the things that I see um, most come from understanding that the feminine energy is as important as the masculine energy and that if we want our world to be whole, complete, and loving, then we have to work together. Um, One of the things that I um, used to train on. Um, a few years ago, a group of girlfriends and I founded a nonprofit organization called the Emerging Leaders Institute, and it's for women and girls who um, are looking to develop their career uh, skills and to move up the corporate ladder or make the leap into entrepreneurship. And I used to tell the ladies, and I, I still do, but I don't have to say it as often, don't get mad at the guys when you see them moving. Emulate them. Because one of the things that I told them, when you see a group of guys, it's the same group getting awarded and recognized and getting these accolades. What is happening is they are nominating one another. And they have, and it can sometimes be implied or explicit agreement that that is what they're going to do with these five or six people. I said, get your six. And then y'all do it. And the more women I watched do it, the more they were supporting one another, they rose. And I was like, this is not something that you're going to be able to do on your own. And I I tell folks all the time, I have champions in my life, and those champions are male and female. And we all have to have both in our lives if we are going to get to the top of where we're trying to get to. So I'm not saying you won't be successful at all. I'm saying you won't be as successful as you could be if you have both undergirding your efforts. Wow. I really like that. Um, it's a something I don't talk about a lot on this podcast, but for graduate school, I went to uh, an all women's undergraduate school and the graduate school, 
I my word, not theirs, reluctantly lets a few men in. <laughs> and so um, I did it very intentionally. I wanted to see like the opposite experience that almost every man in any country gets. And it was it was eye opening. But one of the things I noticed was that they weren't doing as much of what you just said, which I thought was like, quote unquote, a tactical error. I was like, you know, you have to get a little more like into each other and moving each other up. So and don't get me wrong. It's a huge school. There's a lot of people there. So it's not like that wasn't part of the program, but I would notice a lot that there was still like a lack of what you've noticed in male culture. And so I don't know, you know, if it's good or bad, but you're definitely right that if you start emulating that it will work. So I, I really like that answer. I've never heard anyone really articulate it that way. Um, and uh, before we get into intuitive business coaching, cause I do want to get there. We are a philosophy and theology podcast. So I thought we'd jump next into uh, what is a new thought minister, which you've been ordained as. Absolutely. So I'm Christian. There are some new thought ministers who are Buddhist, Hindu, etc. Um, the idea is that we take a metaphysical approach to the word. And so um, if you look at the Bible as a, a blueprint, um, there are going to be those layers that are on their face what they are, right? But then there are these other layers like the plumbing. <laughs> uh-huh. And then for some buildings, you also have the uh, basement structure, right? And so what we believe is that every scripture has the, on their face, that's what it is, but also that there's another meaning to it. And I really love that because the word changes and is applicable no matter where, where we are in life and what we're doing, but what we take out of it changes as we grow. Well, I hope as we grow, as we get older, as we become more experienced. That's awesome. Well, well, thank you. Thank you. Because, you know, my husband, he's been in ministry 15 years now. And um, I have heard him preach lately some of the sermons from his earlier years. And the way that he comes is very different now. And even though he is not new thought, he's actually Methodist. Mm. I tease him because I'm like, see, you need to be over here with us because you're now seeing it because the way you came from this reference 10 years ago changed because of the experiences that you have had and the insight that you now bring to it. He's not trying to hear it, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so what about in your childhood and your upbringing? Were you raised Methodist or Christian or both or? So, yeah, so um, I was, and I was born um, in the Congregational Church, born and raised. My mother was Methodist, um, and so once she and my dad divorced, because he was Congregational, she went back to the Methodist Church. Um, I have always experimented and enjoyed learning how other people experience God. And so when I was in college, I went to a Baptist church. I tried Presbyterian. Um, I actually went to a Catholic church for a little while. And um, then I started talking with other people about how they worship. And so um, although I have always affiliated with um, Christ, I have seen how Buddhists um, worship. I've seen how Hindus worship the Jains as well as the Sikhs. And um, one of the things that I love is that God has so many names, and no matter what you call him, he's there. Hmm. I absolutely adore that. That's a really good quote. That's awesome. Um, and so 
you know, the main question we ask every guest, which I'm about to ask you is what do you think happens when you die? And I'm just curious, in addition to that, um, has that changed at all in your lifetime? Yes, because I was raised to believe that there was heaven or hell, and you pick one um, by your your actions, the things that you think, the, the way that you behave. Um, I now have a much better understanding have, after having a, a near-death experience myself um, that heaven and hell is a state of mind. And that this life that we're living, every day we have another opportunity to pick the heaven experience. And that's the love experience, to treat other people as we would really want to be treated, to be loving and respectful and kind to, to ourselves as well as others, to use our skills, gifts, and talents in a way that reflects good stewardship. Um, and to help other people when we can. So whether that's coaching, mentoring, quiet coaching, quiet mentoring, which means that a person has no idea you're moving on their behalf, but you're doing it anyway. Um, and sometimes there will be a financial assistance component to it. But most times, people don't need the money. They really just need to know that they are loved. Yeah, wow. That's that's so profound. Um I would be the worst host in the history of the world if I did not ask you about your near-death experience. Can you get into that? Hey, everyone. If you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us, and it's free. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P dot com. Thanks. Absolutely. I just didn't want to jump the gun. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to drop that. <laughs> no, no, no. It's cool. I had a weird feeling that you had something like that um, because it's not a weird feeling. Um I have found, oddly enough, that the most positive and loving people I meet tend to have had, like, close calls, so. Yeah, so I, I've had a couple where I've been in accidents, but there was this one situation where, like, I crossed and came back. Wow. Um, yeah, so I have battled with um, fibroids and endometriosis most of my life, and um, what they don't tell you is even after you have the hysterectomy, and you go through all of the horrible surgeries and the medications and all, that there is one thing that they just can't do anything about, and that is scar tissue. And so after my last surgery, which at this point was about eight years ago or so, maybe seven, the scar tissue developed because that's what happens as part of healing. And it attached to parts of my bowel and created an obstruction. And we were down in Miami for my nephew's graduation, which was supposed to be a happy time. And my eyes felt terrible. I mean, like, I could not hold anything down. No matter what I did, I could not settle myself. And, and that's a big thing because I am very much into holistic um, remedies. So I am the person who's going to chew ginger, or if I can't find fresh ginger, I'm going to have the ginger ale. I believe in meditation and prayer and asking for the relief of all pains and the things that hurt me, right? Mm -hmm. And I fully, fully expect for God to heal me when I ask. So when it wasn't working, I was very frustrated, and frustration does not help in situations <laughs> like that. Not at all. Um, and so the night before we were supposed to fly home, 
I just couldn't take it anymore. And my husband took me to the closest hospital, which at the time um, was a good idea because it's close. Um, but it was like the worst hospital ever. And if we had had our presence of mind to do just like one Google search to look at the reviews, we would never have gone there ever. But um, they checked me in and they did not want to do the surgery. And I told them, I was like, listen, I've had this issue before. I've had a bowel obstruction before. You have to go in. There is no resolving this as you have in your mind because they wanted to do all this observing and let's try this procedure and that procedure. And I've been through all of that 10 years prior. And I told them, I was like, that's not going to work because of the prior surgeries I have had. I'm telling you what has to happen. Well, you know, they don't make their money by doing the surgery and then sending you home. They want to keep you. And so for five days, I'm hooked up, and they have all these new um, pieces of equipment that they've never tried that they want to try on me because I've got great insurance, right? <laughs> and they are, I'm just, I'm keeping it 100 on your show, Mike. Yeah, yeah, and, no, I love this. Thank you. <laughs> right. And, and they are treating me like crap. Um, I am too weak to fight with them. And so when my sister who had, she was still working, she's a teacher. And so school for her was still in session, even though my nephew had just graduated. And so she would come in in the evenings and be just giving them hell because they had bathed me. They were giving me a hard time about cleaning me up because, you know, I can't stand up. I can't use the restroom. You just want to stick this thing to catch my waist and just like, no, you've got to clean me off. That's not going to work. But when she would go, then they would go back to their behavior. Or if my husband was there, they would act like they had sense. But there was only so much he could be there because my daughter was there. And she's, she's a minor, you know. And so, of course, he doesn't want her in the room as this is all going on. So finally it all came to a head. They had to schedule the surgery now because now my insurance company, they are raising Sam because and the longer I'm there, the more it costs. And so they are like, either discharge her or do the surgery or we're not paying. So they schedule the surgery. I mean, really, right? Yeah. And the day I'm to have, and, and it, it was a drop of a hat spur of the moment decision because of that angry call my husband had already arranged to fly my daughter back home to atlanta and then come back but of course the flight was the same day as the surgery that they had chosen to do my sister had to work that day and so of course the surgery is scheduled during the time when she's at work so i'm alone they do the surgery and I get back to my room, and it is freezing. I'm not talking about, like, the AC is just blowing hard. Mm -hmm. It feels like death cold. I've not uh, been that cold yeah. probably in my life, right? You could, I could see my breath. I've never been in a building that was so cold. You could see your breath, right? And so I rang, and it took a a few moments for somebody to finally come. And when the nurse came, I told her I was cold. But the lady leaves. 
she comes back and throws the blanket at me. Like, she didn't lay it at me. She literally, she threw it at me. I was just like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> so I was, I, I had, I had really had it up to here. And I'm laughing now, but at the time, I yeah. was just heartbroken. I was absolutely, I was be, that state that you're beyond angry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My heart was broken because I couldn't believe it. And I had this experience where everything stopped. And when I closed my eyes and I opened them again, I was standing at the edge of the universe. Everything in the cosmos was this beautiful lavender and orange and white. And the stars looked more like an ocean just lapping at the edge. It was, it was absolutely beautiful. And when I, I looked around and I thought about the size of me, I was like, for me to even understand where I am, I have to be like beyond gigantic. I am infinite. And I looked down and I had the world in my head. And I said, stop. And everything stopped moving. And I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I want a different experience. And at that point, I blinked my eyes. And it was the next morning in the hospital. It was no longer freezing cold. And I got up out of that bed and I pulled myself to the bathroom because I was still attached to all this crap. And I washed myself. Now, remember, Mm -hmm. I couldn't even do any of that when I got there. But when I tell you there was a supernatural strength and power on me. Wow. I washed myself from head to toe. I brushed my teeth. I did my hair. And I put on some lipstick because as a woman, you're not fully dressed until you have on your lipstick. And I finally looked like myself again. And I was like, I'm leaving today. I got online and I pulled up the Florida statute governing hospitals. And I read the entire statute <laughs> and saw exactly what I needed to say to get the heck up out of there. <laughs> I said, I went back to my bed and I started pulling things off of me. Wow. I pulled that thing that was in my nose. I pulled it clean out. Wow. And when I did, I did. And I, when I blew my nose, there was all this slim and gunk in it. And I knew for a fact that that was pneumonia. When I was freezing like that, I was I was dying. Oh, my God. And I was dying of pneumonia. I knew it. I started pulling off all of those senses on me. And so by this time, you know, the machines are going crazy. <laughs> so the nurse comes in. She sees me. And she says, what are you doing? I said, I'm leaving today. So you can either go and draw my paperwork and what I need and if there are any medications or not. But you better know, I am leaving today. I I text my sister. I said, I know this is your last day of work for school, but as soon as you're done, please come get me. She said, okay. My sister is the best sister in the whole wide world. Like, and I know everybody else has sisters and all. My sister said, because she did not ask any questions. Yeah. All she said was, okay, like 10 
four. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor came in and he was like, what are you doing? You can't leave. You just had surgery. We don't even know if your bowels is moving. I was like, my bowels are fine. <laughs> in the name of Jesus, my bowels are fine and I'm leaving today. So go and get those papers drawn up. So then he comes back with other doctors. I don't know if he thought that that was going to intimidate me. Mm-hmm. And I told the guy, I said, you must not know who I am. I am attorney Lanita Mitchell Blackwell, <laughs> and I am leaving today. So you had better go and get my discharge papers. I've always wanted to be a lawyer for like a million reasons, but the number one reason is just to be able to say what you just said, just to be like, hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, I love it. Keep going. <laughs> well, you know what, Mike? It's funny because I had never spoken to anybody like that in my life. And when I've watched other people, particularly people in my profession, do that, I've always been disgusted. And sometimes I'll pull them to the side and be like, hey, get your mind right. That was disrespectful. But that day, I understood. (laughs) And I was that person. I channeled that energy that day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just have one other quick question, um, because it was way before. But when you said before this story, like as you were starting to tell it, you talked about how you, you pray and you fully expect God to answer your, answer your prayers. This is like a line that I have a lot of trouble explaining to other people who are skeptical. Um, I always try to say, like, your prayers will be answered. It's just probably not going to look the way you thought they would. I'm curious, would you say that I'm not really accurate or would you say there's more to it than that? Like, what is your way of explaining that philosophy that if you pray to God, that those prayers will be answered? So. I agree. The prayer is answered, but we have to be very specific in our prayers. So it's not just asking for what you want, but you have to state what it's for. And I'll give you a perfect example. This show today almost did not happen. Mm -hmm. So I was in the car on my way so I could get stationary and in a quiet place as my wonderful host asked me to do, right? (laughs) (laughs) And so I am on my way and the cell service just went out. I'm talking about forget no bars. It's this little exclamation point like there's nothing. So I have no navigation and I can't get on the phone and I cannot connect to the internet, not even to get on to somebody's Wi-Fi. Mm. And I turned my phone off three times, like totally shut it off and then turn it back on. And then finally I said, God, I need this connection to be restored. And he said, why? I said, because I have this interview today. He said, why do you want to do this interview today? I said, because it will be great to talk to somebody who actually understands what it is to have these experiences and how they apply to life. And we need to get this message out today. And when I tell you right then, my self-service came back. I am not kidding. So it's the prayer, but there has to be some end game. Like, what is this for? So like when people say, but I want to hit the lottery. Why? Mm -hmm. What do you want to do with that money? Because if you're going to say you're just going to sit on the pile, well, that's not useful. Who does that serve? It Mm -hmm. doesn't even serve you. There has to be some use. And once you put the use in the prayer, then it might not be God needs to give you the lottery. He might need to give you a network, a job. He might need to give you an an avenue to learn a new skill. Wow, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, so it really is the end justify the means. Wow. There has to be an end in mind. 
I, I think that's like the best way to explain it. And I've actually never completed the thought that far. And I'm totally going to make sure I start doing that because I do, you know, I, I think the first time I realized I prayed was when I realized like something was going wrong and I was just praying and I was like, Oh, I, I guess I do pray. Like, you know, cause I, I grew up like not in a house where like, you know, we did prayers before bed and stuff like that. So it's really interesting. Um, and that's such a good, like, it's always fun to talk to a spiritual lawyer. We've had a few because you're like really the two sides of the mind that like most people have, you know, there's like, um, the cold calculated logician side that, you know, just to even pass the LSAT you need. And then, the spiritual side is like the soft and comforting and like way to make sense of it all. So I love it. Um, we are up against the time. So I always give my guests a chance to have the floor. Is there anything you'd like to share with our audience? Absolutely. Every moment of your life is important. Every experience, every person that you experience has meaning for you. Take the time to figure out what it is. And if it doesn't come immediately, that's okay. But remember that your life is precious, it matters, and that you matter. Wow. I love it. This has been such a fun interview. The time flew by. I couldn't even believe it. And um, I am so glad that you are okay from that terrible hospital experience. Um, I know you didn't quite get to finish the story. And I was going to ask you, did you end up like throwing the blanket at anyone as you left? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to, but my sister came. We she and we we left. They refused to give me a, a wheelchair to leave because they said since you're leaving against doctor's orders, we don't do wheelchairs. Wow. But it was so. But you know what, Mike? But to me, see that was the opportunity for God to show up too because I walked out of that place, I got in that car, and I left on my own two feet. That, that's so cool. And what a great story. And what a great guest. Lenita, I'm very impressed by everything you do. And uh, we'll have full notes for how to reach her and find her if you're interested in intuitive business coaching, which obviously I think most people would be. And just to reach out because she's a very friendly person and she wants to help everyone. And this podcast is aligned with that. We just want to help people. So if you feel like it, please head over to MikeyOp.com, M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com and sign up for the free weekly email, which is basically inspiration in your inbox. My name is Mike Oppenheim. You've been listening to another episode of Coffin Talk, and we will see you soon.